electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Okay. I admit it. It's going to sound hokey. But small business really is the backbone of the U.S. economy. Now, this is normally a show about big business because that's what drives the market, including today where the mighty Dow gained 210 points, S&P advanced 0.13%. NASDAQ actually declined 0.17%. Sweet first half, though. Still, small businesses are everywhere. And the companies that help them do a better job, well, they, they can be fabulous investments. Buy, 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 buy. It's not easy to identify these companies, though. See, when you go to a Wall Street research house, there's no small business analyst, no silo like that. When you listen to a quarterly conference call, major companies don't break down their small business clients, let alone tell you to buy them. It doesn't work like that. However, taken on mass, small businesses are incredibly important because they're the enterprises that actually hire people. Most of the big companies I follow, you know what they're constantly doing? Well, yeah, they're trying to do more with less. I like the rails. All aboard! Because they figured out how to move the same cargo with fewer people. Generally speaking, whenever a firm replaces expensive workers with inexpensive machines, Wall Street laps it up. But if a small business wants to expand, well, it needs to hire more people. They're the reason the economy's snapping back so hard. It's small business. So why? So who's doing it? Who's making life easier for them? And then, of course, how can you profit from it? Well, let's start off with the ultimate small business enabler, and that is Shopify. The software company we heard from just last night that helps small and medium-sized businesses build their own e-commerce platforms. And that's not all. Shopify will go so far as to invest in or make loans to smaller companies with great ideas, just need a little capital. As Shopify's president, Harley Finkelstein, just told us, the company's capital arm has now given out $2 billion cumulatively to small businesses that otherwise they would never have gotten funding. I mean, come on, let's be realistic. This is America. 
These guys aim to, quote, and of course, they're Canadian, quote, democratize the opportunity, end quote, for their clients. Remember, Shopify basically puts small business on par with big business because the web itself is a fantastic leveler. With their help, even a tiny company can have a Fortune 500 level presence online. They're looking out for developers, too. Yesterday, they announced that they won't take a cut from the first million dollars of sales for developers that make tools sold through the Shopify App Store. What a bargain. And that's why this has become a major platform. Last year alone, 450 million people, that's right, 450, checked out on Shopify. In the United States, their platform accounts for roughly 9% of all e-commerce sales. I know, not Amazon, but number two. And look, this is an incredible growth story. If you bought Shopify the stock five years ago, well, guess what? You're now up nearly 4,700%. Helping small business is good business. Who else is getting in on the action? Okay, how about Etsy? The formerly, formerly little, now very big online marketplace based down the block from me in Brooklyn. Now, I try to do as much charity stuff as I can. And remember, years ago, I, was on, I remember I was on a panel with the old CEO of Etsy. He was determined to help small businesses to the point where he almost wiped out his own company. Since then, Etsy has evolved, finally bringing in Josh Silverman as CEO. He's also on a mission to help entrepreneurs realize their dreams by making it possible for them to scale. Uh, though, unlike his predecessor, he's committed to making money for shareholders at the same time. Etsy has 90.6 million active users looking at merchandise from 4.7 million sellers. Many of these sellers aren't even small businesses. They're just people who aspire to have small businesses with no access to an audience beyond their porch or the penny saver. Now Etsy gives them a steady audience of people who are sick of mass-produced junk that ends in landfill and crave handcrafted merchandise that you can't get at the mall. One of the tremendous things, though, about this platform is that the vast majority of sellers are women who, because of Etsy, can show their wares all over the world. When my wife Lisa decided to open an Italian bistro, the Longshoreman, with her friend Michelle, she needed distinctive handmade restaurant aprons. But where the heck do you find those? You go on Etsy, of course. And what do they do? They hook you up with a woman in the United Kingdom who makes fabulous, unique, handcrafted aprons. When you get something from an Etsy seller, it's often only the beginning of a real relationship. My wife now consults her overseas compadre and gets new aprons quite regularly. Independently, none of these sellers would have much of a business. But by pulling millions of them together, Etsy's been able to make a fortune. And that's why this stock's up more than 2,000% over the past five years. 2,000. Thank you, Josh Silverman, for having your priorities straight. Next up, there's Square. Now, for ages, having a small business meant having a cash business. Then Jack Dorsey decided to change all that with Square's point-of-sale system. That's a, a little thing that turns any phone or tablet into a credit card-ready terminal. Now, Square's got so much registered data that they're making loans to small businesses backed by the receipts. I remember when I first heard about this lending business from the legendary Sarah Fryer, currently the CEO of Nextdoor, back when she was still the CFO of Square, but the public uh, spokesperson for it. I told her I could not think of a worse business than being a moneylender to a small business. What a way to lose a fortune. But Square's not just any moneylender. Sarah told me that they have far fewer bad loans than traditional banks because they know exactly how much money their clients are making from looking at the receipts. Rather than take mad money off her to-do list, she schooled us on the lucrative world of serving small business en masse. Hmm. So what is that good business? I don't know. I mean, what, Square? Oh, oh it's up 2,500% in the last five years. Probably not a bad business at all. What else? Small businesses, especially the tiny ones, run out of the kitchen or the den, used to have no luck against giant brick-and-mortar operations. Now the tables have turned because in many cases, physical stores are a liability. 
Meanwhile, new entrepreneurs can have a website that looks every bit as good as the big dogs, courtesy of companies like Adobe and Wix.com. We use Wix for one of my restaurants, and our rent's about $10 a month. Not bad. Wix, the stock, is actually quite a disappointment in this crowd, though. It's up only 800%. Yeah, yeah. Five years, 800%. Oh, of course, the S&P 500 is up a little bit more than 100% during that period. So maybe Wix is in the slouch. Now, there are tons of big companies that do a tremendous amount to empower small business. American Express, for example, Steve Squeery, he was on our show. He's the CEO. He is so passionate about small business that he's putting all his muscle by multiple initiatives, pushing people to shop small, even as he has to run an equal opportunity credit card network. Apple's, my, but Apple's a great example. Their app store supports over 2.1 million jobs in all the states. They're not just eight small business, they're creating a whole new small business ecosystem. Hey, how about Ford Motor? This one might seem kind of incongruous, but Ford's the king of light-duty commercial vehicles in the United States. Their pickup trucks are the workhorses of small business in this country. As CEO Jim Farley told me today, sales for the F-150 and the Super Duty uh, pickups are, quote, as robust as we have ever seen, end quote. He added that, quote, we are sold out for months to come, end quote. Wow. Don't forget, car dealers are the oldest small businesses. Farley tells us, quote, they are seeing profits they haven't seen in a decade, end quote. Finally, Facebook's pivoted successfully and almost, frankly, magically to become a small business enabler with a host of initiatives from both the core Facebook business and increasingly from Instagram. They're making themselves essential with things like a terrific initiative to help black-owned businesses on Instagram announced just today, something which should give them some deserved cover the next time Congress wants to dismantle their entire operation. Here's the bottom line. The business of America is small business, and right now it is booming. You might not be able to bet on these little firms directly, but you can invest in the publicly traded companies that empower them. It's been an incredible strategy, and it's one I think you can bet on in the second half of 2021. Let's go to Charles in Kentucky. Charles! Hello, Jim Kramer. Hey, Charles. I like your show. I like your dog. His name, that is. Uh, My stock is XPO. Logistics. Is that a billion buy? Okay, so the stock went down because Brad Jacobs, a frequent guest on the show, decided to sell some of his stock. Now, I actually think it was kind of prudent because he is, a, in the end, a person. He's not just a living, you know, he's a living machine, for heaven's sake. And uh, I think the company's doing incredibly well, and I think it's reasonable that he sells stock, and it's reasonable for you to buy the stock. Jeff in Texas. Jeff. How are you, Jim? I am good, Jeff. How about you? I'm good, thank you. When I lived on Maui, uh, 25 years ago, which, you know, I bought Disney, and they issued me a certificate, which they don't have anymore. They don't issue certificates anymore. Anyway, I'm asking you a question about Disney. Well, look, the stock is, um, you know, the stock's down a little bit for the year. That's historically been a decent time to buy it. Uh, my travel just didn't sell it, but if it, we said if it drops, we told people we'll, we'll come back. Uh, because in the end, it is the ultimate uh, reopened story. Uh, complicated story right now, re- but uh, it's certainly definitely a reopened story and one that I think post-Delta variant will be very interesting. And there will be a post-Delta variant, believe me. Small business is the business of America. And if you can invest in companies that empower them, great companies like these right here. Well, it's been a pretty darn good strategy. Well, man, tonight, with at least 150 million Americans fully vaccinated against COVID-19, I'm taking the pulse of the consumer with an expert in the field. Then Chipotle is flying higher after wooing the street. But is there a secret ingredient to the stock's move? I'll reveal the recipe. Hey, maybe it's time. You know what? 
But you also have to raise a glass of Constellation Brands after earnings, or maybe you can't. I'm sitting down with the CEO after support to find out if he can continue to lift your portfolio spirits. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. As the world goes back to normal, the next phase of the recovery is all about consumer spending. That's why tonight I want to catch up with one of the smartest retail experts in the country, maybe not the, maybe the world. I'm talking about Adrian Shapiro who spent 13 years covering retail at Goldman Sachs, then served as CFO of David Yerman, privately held luxury jewelry brand. But now she's the managing director of French private equity firm Eurasio that has a ton of retail investments, including many you know. Not that long ago, we spoke to her, and we spoke to her about one of those investments, which was Herschel Supply Company, which makes these retro backpacks. And now it's doing some whole new things that we got to learn much more about because I think this stuff is really great. We're going to go back to the well for another discussion of consumer trends, including the latest brand extensions from Herschel with the legendary Adrian Shapiro, managing director of Eurasia. Ms. Shapiro, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thank you so much. You're so kind. So great to be here always. Can't wait to be back in the studio with you. Thanks so much for having me. You're the greatest. See, now, now, Adrian, I think we're on the cusp of what I have to say is the biggest back-to-school season in the history of our country. What are people going to buy? Clearly, you're right. Back-to-school will be a, a moment to celebrate for kids and parents alike. And obviously, Herschel has got the hero backpack. And they're going to be front and center. We're super excited. We're going to be launching a new marketing campaign called Put Yourself Out There, which obviously has tremendous amount of meaning, many layers. And we're really going to be taking over uh, the season. So this is going to be just a banner back to school. But before that, we're super excited to launch our insulated totes and coolers, which, again, is perfect for this upcoming July 4th weekend. Right now, I've got the, uh, I guess, look to me, if I ever had one of these, I, I, I would make, my mom would have made incredible stuff. I'm talking about the insulated lunchbox. 
I also see products that I've got to tell you, and I know outside the office I'm your friend. I have been so jealous of Yeti because Yeti's got these things, big plastic things, and they're selling like crazy. Yours seem to be higher quality, competitive price, and I have to believe will take the world by storm the same way that Yeti did. Thanks. I mean, Yeti is a great company, a great product. We, we really uh, are inspired by Yeti, but Herschel is doing it differently like they always do. They're adding a heartbeat to a very functional item, much like they did with their Hero backpack. They're doing the same with insulated totes. As their tagline says, Herschel just got cooler. And so, you know, when we met with the founders, Jamie and Lyndon Cormack, we were really impressed that they were truly uh, honored to be invited by consumers to join their journey. And oh, what a journey it's been. Uh, Obviously, COVID was a little bit different than we had all expected. So when the journey evolved, so did Herschel. Uh, Coming out of COVID, you know, there was a big shift in the what and the how. And the what, I think, really launched a new category, insulated totes. So, you know, if the road trip is the new trip, Herschel wants to be in that trunk on their way to the picnic, to the beach, to tailgating parties, you name it. And as you say, it's a cool product at a cool price. The range is $30 to $130. It's great quality, keeps the contents cool all day. The main body is made out of 100% recyclable material. material. So really done the Herschel way. And the how has also changed. You know, we've always had speed in product innovation, but now there's, we really had speed to market. You know, again, as I mentioned, as the world changed, Herschel changed. And so this is the first product that we've launched direct to consumer. We didn't wait for our wholesale partners to place their orders. So it's available now on our website, launched a few weeks ago, and it's perfect for this uh, upcoming holiday season. Uh, More colors, I imagine, than just this uh, kind of uh, luminescent green. Uh, yeah, I've got one right here. Um, we've got, I mean, these are great for, you know, uh, featuring, but we've got the black, the camo, this uh, pink and blue, super festive, fun, the fashion flair. Again, there's just a lot of personality to kind of tell your own story, much like Herschel has done with every other uh, product that they've launched. So we're very excited to, uh, you know, this is perfect for your boat this coming uh, July 4th weekend. Uh, it certainly will be. Uh, one last question. We see all these SPACs, and they're trying to find companies and partner with them. Uh, Eurasia seems to have a better way. I think that you partner, use your expertise, use people like you, and everybody does better. These SPACs seem to be like money in search of anything, don't they? I mean, look, I think what differentiates us is that we start with the consumer in mind. I think, you know, having sell-side experience, operating experience, board experience, as you mentioned earlier. You know, I think as uh, Eurasio Brands, uh, we know that the soft stuff is the hard stuff, and it's really investing behind people and really aligning with our partners, our founders. You know, again, Herschel is a great example. Uh, Another great outcome of COVID was we hired a CEO to partner with our founders, John Haroff, a great CEO that we lured from Arteryx, another great brand in Vancouver. And so... Yeah. And so partnering with great founders, great management teams, that's really what we bring to the table, because I think having had that experience, I mean, look, you know, private equity, we've all got calculators, but I think having had that operating experience and being empathetic and having had seats at the table uh, and those perspectives, we really understand that it's all about the people and the execution. Well, to make look, it I happen. think you're going to blow this brand out terrifically. I love this stuff. Adrian Shapiro, Managing Director of Eurasio. How great is it to see you on the show? I hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Great look, to see you, Jim. Take look, care. This is the kind of innovation that I talked about at the top of the show. It's 
entrepreneurship, innovation. It's taking something to the next level. And it's putting this on my boat this weekend, I hope. Man, money's back there for the break. Coming up, they're fast, casual, and coiled, ready to strike. Kramer spills the beans on a guac and roll stock. Next. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. In the last few weeks, some of the biggest winners of 2020 have come roaring back after losing their mojo earlier this year. I think the best ones could have a lot more room to run. And when I say best, I'm thinking about a stock like Chipotle. Now, this stock racked up enormous gains last year because Chipotle was way ahead of the curve on building out a powerful digital business, part of the pivot to takeout and delivery that worked so well during lockdown. However, earlier this year, the stock faltered. First in February, then again in April and May, Chipotle's stock rallied to the mid to high 1500s, and then it rolled over. While it's been able to rebound dramatically over the past few weeks, it's only up about 12% for the year, lagging the S&P 500 by nearly three points. If you measure from the end of January, the relative underperformance looks even worse. But I'm a big believer in Chipotle, the company, and Chipotle, the stock. See, the company keeps putting up excellent numbers, and I think the worries about food price inflation and labor costs, and those of what hurt the stock, are now by this point baked into it. Even though the stock's already shot up more than 200 bucks in the last three weeks, that's only after months of sideways action that makes this thing feel, to me, like a coiled spring. Right now, Chipotle's only $30 away from its all-time highs, and the stock can, if it can do this, if it can break out above that level, I bet that will bring in a flood of new money that sends this thing not higher, but much higher. Let me tell you why. 
First and foremost, Chipotle keeps delivering great results. But for the better part of the last year, they haven't gotten much credit for what they've done. Thanks to sky-high expectations, the stocks had trouble rallying in the wake of strong earnings, at least at first. When Chipotle reported last July and then again last October, the company knocked it out of the park. But the stock initially sold off. Didn't matter how fabulous the numbers were, the stock had run up so big that money managers just sold into all the good news. More recently, the story's gotten a little more complicated. When Chipotle reported in February, the earnings in the same store sales came in somewhat weaker. That was unusual, and the stock got hit. Understandable. This was a good but not great quarter at a time when Wall Street was expecting greatness. Fast forward to late April, and Chipotle delivered a seemingly mixed set of numbers. While the earnings came in higher than expected, the revenue and same-store sales were both a bit light. Plus, it didn't help that management's no longer giving a same-store sales forecast for the full year. In response, the stock really rolled over before bottoming around 1300 in mid-May. I think this myopic focus on the lack of full-year guidance is obscuring all the great things that are going on here. Sure, it may not, have, may not have a full year forecast, but for the second quarter, management told us to expect same store sales growth in the high 20s to 30 percent. That is incredible. Plus, they just gave you 74 percent earnings growth, for heaven's sake. I mean, this is, these are magnificent numbers. In a way, Chipotle actually has become a victim of its own success. Investors expect perfection. So when there's some hair on the quarter, that means it's not everything's perfect. The, the stock gets pulverized. Then it catches fire again, and the whole cycle repeats itself. I think the cycle is about to end. I think it's going higher. Okay, yes, there's some legitimate concerns. For months, investors have been worrying about rising food and labor costs, although those worries peaked in May, right as Chipotle stock was bottoming. That's not coincidence. For example, cattle prices jumped 25% from last June through their peak earlier this year. Hog prices soared 140% from last June through the peak earlier this month. Soybeans up 90%, wheat up 50%, rice up 25%, and the big one, corn, more than doubled from last June through early May. Not only is corn a major ingredient for Chipotle, it's also used to feed, feed stock, livestock, uh, feed livestock, and, and so it affects a, a huge chunk of the supply chain. Meanwhile, we know Chipotle's dealing with higher labor costs because they've already raised their wages to $15 an hour on average about a week before the stock bottomed in May. See this theme? They're trying to hire 20,000 new employees across the country, and if you want more workers in this environment, well, you need to pay them well. Seems right. Now, all that stuff absolutely eats into the bottom line, which is what kept the stock back. I know these are problems for the whole restaurant industry because I've got two restaurants myself. But I don't think inflation worry should scare you away from Chipotle anymore. For starters, food prices have already pulled back dramatically. In the last month or two, hog prices have come down 16 percent. That's right from their high. Soybean prices down 16, wheat down 11, corn down nearly 20. And that's after today's crop report breathed new life into the ag space. The truth is that the entire commodity complex peaked in May when Wall Street became convinced that Federal Reserve would be willing to raise interest rates in order to tamp down the inflation that peaked. I won't say the food price issue has been taken off the table, but it's much less of a concern here than the stock reflects. More importantly, though, you don't need to worry about rising costs because Chipotle is more than capable of passing those costs on to you, the consumer. Earlier this month, the company raised menu prices by 3 to 4%. Okay, that offset the cost of higher wages. And you know what? Unlike at other restaurants, I doubt those higher prices will hurt Chipotle's business in the slightest. It's too beloved. As management argued at the time, their food still represents terrific value for consumers. Outside of higher price markets like New York, the price of a chicken burrito remains below eight bucks. Given the quality of the food, I think people will be happy to fork over the few additional nickels and dimes. 
Are there any other positives here? I like Chipotle's proven track record of rolling out popular new menu items to keep customers uh, coming back for more. A couple of years ago, it was the carne asada. This March, they launched a customizable quesadilla, already looking like a big hit. Finally, as I've been saying for over a year now, there's a powerful last man standing dynamic in the restaurant industry. Anyone who was able to survive and thrive during the pandemic now has far fewer competition because COVID drove so many of the rivals out of business. A major player like Chipotle should be able to take market share, and it also gives them more bargaining power when it comes to dealing with their landlords, meaning they get lower rents and more space to build their Chipotle lanes where they really make a lot of money for drive throughs Shopping centers all over the country are desperate for Chipotles, and the company's taking advantage of that fact, planning to put up 200 new stores this year. Most are retrenching. Valuation, while the stock's far from cheap, trading at 63 times this year's earnings estimates, Chipotle has a habit of looking a lot cheaper in retrospect because the estimates keep climbing. When the stock first climbed to the mid-1500s in February, it was trading at more than 70 times uh, earnings because the company was only expected to make just over 21 bucks a share. Now it's at the same level with a lower multiple because the analysts think that they can make more than 24 dollars per share. I bet CEO Brian Nichol has no problem trumping the street's forecast. He's just that good. The bottom line, this one's ready. Chipotle's already rallied hard off its lows, but after five months of mostly trading sideways, it's a coiled spring. If the stock can climb another 20 or 30 points from here, I'm betting that that triggers a massive breakout and people will buy, buy, buy the stock of Chipotle. Anushka in Texas. Anushka. Hey, Jim. This is Anushka, Zach. Thank you for all the investment tips. We learn each and every day so much. Oh, Here thank you. Talk. I am a teacher, but in, uh, but I am always so flattered when I hear comments like that, Anushka, because it makes me realize I got to keep teaching. What's going on? Um, so I've been wondering about McDonald's recently. Okay. We went there we went there a little while ago, and the drive-through line was a lot shorter, and I could see cars parked in front and people going inside. So, do you think that would be a good place to invest right now? Well, first of all, I admire that idea of looking at the company and trying to rate, make a judgment from it. You got to go to more stores, obviously, to make it work well. But if we go over the the fundamentals, you know, all the stuff that's in uh, the quarter and the annual, we find encouraging signs, and I think McDonald's is good. And they're working on throughput, which is what you saw, to make it so that McDonald's is even better. How about we go to, and that's a nice, that's a young child. And I love that. She's just fantastic. I want her to stay on it. I want her to look at other stocks besides McDonald's. Let's go to Harry in Ohio. Harry. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call and for all the help you provide on a daily basis. Oh, thank you. I'm a member of your Action Alerts Club. Um, had Thank a you. question about Airbnb. Stock was about 2.16 in February, uh, with economy opening up and travel exponentially increasing. Shouldn't this stock be doing better? I am myself puzzled, Harry. Uh, thank you for being a member of the club. You know, I've been thinking about adding Airbnb to my travel trust. I think that uh, travel, again, has cooled because of the variant. Well, if that's the case, then people are going to go back to wanting to stay where they can control things. I think Airbnb is a marvelous buy. But by the way, here's a stock that I've been waiting to come out. I to see it go back to 1500 to And I think the stock is a coiled spring. Bye, bye, bye. Much more Mad Money Head with bars back in business across the U.S., 
Could Constellation Brands, STZ, have you seeing stars? I'm going to sit down with the CEO after earnings to find out what's ahead. Then, as the first half of the year draws to a close, I'm looking back and revealing which stock had the best quarter versus the expectations and telling you why the good news could continue in the back half of the year. Yeah, a special one to buy. Of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. If you had any doubt that people were going out drinking again, Kramer fave Constellation Brands put that to bed this morning when they reported a fantastic quarter. Yet the company behind Corona, Modelo, and Pacifico just delivered good sales, better than expected earnings. And when you back out the results from their investment in cannabis growth, the Canadian cannabis outfit, these numbers were just exceptional. Yep, Constellation's beer business is booming, up double digit, 10.7% when Wall Street was only looking for 8%. Terrific margins. Meanwhile, the reorganized wine and spirits business surprised with 16% organic growth. Even the margins came in a little light. Who cares? The icing on the cake management rolled out a $500 million accelerated buyback. They plan to spend it all this quarter. They've already bought a lot of stock, and that allows them to slightly raise the full year earnings per share forecast. Very few companies doing this kind of buyback these days. While the stock jumped nearly 3 bucks today, it's still down more than 10 bucks from as high as last month, a major reason we told you to buy it last week ahead of the quarter. I think it's not getting enough credit for the great reopening. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Bill Newlands, the president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Get a better read on the quarter and his outlook. Mr. Newlands, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Bill, I'm reaching a conclusion. When things open up and we have a roaring 20s scenario, people love to drink beer. Am I right? You're dead right. In fact, we saw an increase in 250% in our depletions into the on-premise in the quarter. Uh, and it still has got a long way to go. It still was only 11% of our business this past quarter. It was 15% going into the pandemic. So there's still a lot of runway. Bill, the one thing that struck me uh, when I was reading through it was how much more money you could have made if there weren't shortages. I mean, they're really you're sold out basically in the beer business, aren't you? The only thing that caught our attention a bit was we had the power outage that occurred in northern Mexico and uh, in Texas back in February, and it did constrain our supply a bit. But the biggest question is we've got tremendous demand. Consumer demand is at an all-time high, and and that's really uh, causing a bit of supply constraint. People need to know the context that you are not a small beer company. Tell us a little more. I, I was people are amazed every time I say this. What's the second biggest beer in dollar sales in the U.S.? Modelo has been the, the big one. It's it's number one in a number of markets, including the state of California. It's the number one brand in the high end and it's the number two overall brand in IRI channels. So and, and it's still got such a long runway to grow. Uh, we couldn't be more thrilled with Modelo, not only where it is, but where it's got potential to go. When I first uh, bought my place in San Miguel de Allende, you know, I have uh, many, many, many years ago, there was a beer. I thought it was really cool. Brown, long neck, yellow label Pacifico. But it's, it's been around for a while. How can that business have more than 30 percent growth now? We've really appeared appealed to the Gen X consumer and, and it's working well. It was the number four growth brand in the import section during this quarter. Uh, it's it's really another brand that's on fire, and it shows a lot of potential in the same way that Modelo did probably 15 to 20 years ago. A lot of similarities in the growth profile. 
Uh, people were skeptical of hard seltzer. It seems like already uh, you've established yourself as the as, as the real contender, young contender in this category. We are. We did, as you know, 10 million cases last year with only one skew. We've introduced a second variety pack this year and just introduced Limonada as well. So we think there's still a lot of runway for us to, to grow. We're the number four overall player in the business, but we still have great velocity with, with our initial variety pack. So we're very excited about it. And it appears the incrementality against it is superb. Is there something going on with wine that you get those numbers and people at the end of a pandemic that drink a lot of wine? Well, you've seen a lot of increase in our DTC business. We did an increase of 45% during the same period last year in our direct-to-consumer business, which was very helpful. As you know, there was a lot of change in how consumers shop during the pandemic, and it'll be interesting to see how much of that maintains itself as it goes forward. But we invested a lot of money in DTC and three-tier e-commerce in our wine business, and it's really paying off. There were people who were skeptical when you did your canopy investment. I know canopy right now, obviously, we're not still approved. But when the United States is approved, canopy, I think, is going to be number one. But people were skeptical. They said, you know what? They blew up the balance sheet. They'll never be able to do another buyback. You kind of snuck up on us with this buyback this time. As you know, we have best-of-class margins, best-of-class growth. And we made a commitment, and we like to keep our commitments. We made a commitment that we would return $5 billion to shareholders by the end of fiscal 23 roughly half of it in share repurchases. We did $523 million in the first quarter, and we're going to do another $500 million, as you saw today, that we announced. So we're well on our way. But we can do all that and still invest for future growth because, as you know, we're a growth play. And, and, and there's no reason that we can't do everything we need to do because of the tremendous cash flow this this business generates. Well, I was thinking, I mean, you're trying to figure out, obviously, what to do with Canopy. Uh, it does sound like you got a plan for some drinks that uh, uh, boutique drinks that could be blown out nationally. And I like what you're trying to do with CBD. We introduced just this year, Canopy did, uh, Quattro, and we, we have it in seven states now. It's a lovely, uh, delightful beverage. It's only CBD at the moment, but it certainly has opportunity in the THC area as time goes forward. We, we're very optimistic that you're going to see legalization at a at a national level, hopefully in this congressional session. Uh, but certainly Canopy is well positioned to be the winner uh, when that time comes. And I was uh, thrilled to see. I'm not sure people know this these businesses that well, but you got the distri- distribution. That's what's been lacking in these smaller players. There are real synergies between Canopy and Constellation, like you told me the day this deal happened, correct? For sure. We, it gives us an opportunity to work very closely with them on route to market and what the route to market scenario should be going forward so that they can maximize their potential. Well, Bill, I've got to tell you, I, you know, because you know from the piece we do, well, you know from the support we've had for years, you're the one. I don't recommend any other uh, liquor company. It's not worth it. I like growth. You've got it. Bill Newlands, president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Congratulations, sir. Another great quarter. Thanks, Jim. Guys, look, it, sometimes it's not that hard. Who doesn't like beer? Uh, well, I mean, if you don't, uh, I can't help you. Then money's back at right? Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! What is that? 
And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Steve? That's a loyal Let's start with Gloria in New Jersey. Gloria. Oh, yeah, Jim. Uh, first time caller. Right. I love your show. Oh, thank you. Uh, there are some class action suits against Virgin Galactic alleging that they provided false or misleading information to investors. Also, their stock dropped from 54 to 47 yesterday. Is Virgin Galactic a good buy at you these know, levels? You know, the class action stock doesn't bother me as much. What really is is that it's basically a very expensive stock, and I think it had, it had a good run. Let's find others. I mean, I just think it's had a good run. Not unlike a lot of the companies that came, it went IPO today, and they have really had too good a run. Those are also ones that I wouldn't buy. Let's go to, except for Didi, seems inexpensive. Let's go to Scott in Florida. Scott! Good evening, Dr. Kramer. Hi. Uh, I'm curious about investing in server farms. I own Digital Realty Trust, and other than maybe Amazon, which has AWS, which data center stock deserves to be in my 401k? Well, actually, I think that you're in the best one. Uh, you're in one that I think is just just terrific, uh, and I would stick with it. Um, they are, um, you know, look, that's a $43 billion company. It's, it's, it's no small change, it, and they're, they're very, very well. I wish they come on the show. Let's go to John in Louisiana. John! Hey, Jim. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Jim, I live in Shreveport, Louisiana. We're located in northwest Louisiana. We're very aware of the storm season, otherwise known as hurricane season in Louisiana. We know the importance of alternative backup power solutions to keep the lights on. Okay. We know who the premier providers of backup power solutions are. Several years ago, I bought General Coaling shares, Jim. It's done well. Okay. Recently, it appears to be trading at high limits of projected price targets. Okay. Jim, unfortunately, no storms are coming. All right. Well, I hold it and hope it trades higher. Okay. Ready to register and take profits or it's going right. to buy more. It's what? Which stock? Generic Holdings. Oh, my God. Generac. Generac is one of the, what, five best performers in the first half of the year. It's a stock that I like very much. Please do not sell that stock. The problem that you have is being exemplified by all over in the West. I think Generac is great. Plus, they know how to do storage, and they're always welcome to the show. You've got to go in. And by the way, Shreveport is a dawn. If no one's been to Shreveport, I like it more than Baton Rouge. Let's go. Hey, little bar, baby. Let's go to Robert and Florida. Robert. Yes, sir. Jim the Booyah. Booyah. Kramer. Booyah. 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 How are you, sir? I'm All good. Right, so I got an opinion. What's your opinion on the Sorrento Therapeutics on their portfolio of products, including their Kobe sticks, Kobe drops? I think drop. it's fine. I mean, look, it's a, it's kind of it's not really a meme stock, but it's one that is it's got too much hot money in it. Too much hot money. Let's go to Carlos in, Calf- uh, in California. Carlos. Hey, Kramer. How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going well. How about you? Good, good, man. I just want to tell you, I love you, man. And you make you make uh, uh, investing fun. I want people to learn. That's how you have to do You have to make it interesting. What's up? Okay, so um, should I hold or should I sell uh, stock symbol H? Oh, Hemanetics, you know what? I, they they must have, they had a not great quarter, but this is a company that's done very well over time. I'm a buyer of Hemanetics, a buyer. I've known these guys forever. Let's go to Chet in California, please, Chet. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Several years ago, I took some mad money and invested in this stock as a spec play against the use of post-surgery opioids. I've traded around the position, and it's been very profitable for me. However, because of COVID... And the reduction of elective surgeries, the stock has been trading in a range. I feel the stock should get back on track now that elective surgeries are increasing. 
but I'd like to get your opinion on whether I should sell, hold, or buy some more Zynex ticker. No, your, your, your analysis is spot on, sir. Uh, this is exactly what's been hurting it. All the companies that have outsourced, all the companies that have that kind of surgery have been held off. It's time to buy, not sell your stock. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. The whistle's blowing at the unofficial halfway point of the year. And luxury furnisher RH leads the way. Who's won? Who might lose? And how to avoid the summer blues? Next. As the first half draws to the close, I like to sit back and think about who truly had the best quarter versus expectations. Oh, I'm not talking about 10 to 15 percent better. That bores me. I'm talking results that were beyond what anyone considered possible. And the winner this time? Well, it's not even close. It's RH, the high-end home furnishing chain formerly known as Restoration Harbor. Three weeks ago, RH posted 78% revenue growth when the street was only looking for 56%. They had, quote, the strongest demand trends in our industry. No one touched them. With core demand up 109% year over year, the gross margin expanded by 550 basis points, and the adjusted operating margin jumped from 10% to 22.6%. There. I did it. That's the authentic Wall Street gibberish explanation for why you should buy the stock of RH here. Now, I can come up with a gazillion projections to demonstrate how this $14 billion uh, company deserves a much larger market capitalization. For example, I think it could do $6 billion in sales in just a couple of years' time, making that market cap ridiculously small. Buy, buy, buy! Or I can tell you how RH really did the quarter how they made the impossible possible. It's simple. The company made it happen because there's a merchant at the helm, CEO Gary Friedman, a real living merchant who bleeds RH and wants you to do the same. He's one of the few real merchants left in this digitized country. That's why I think this could be one of the best stocks to buy for the second half. Let me give you Friedman's words from the conference call because he makes the case better than I could. First, he says, the unmasking of the general public could lead to a roaring 20s type of consumer exuberance, fueled by the strong housing market, record high stock prices, and ultra-low interest rates. Gary believes it could be like a recent town and country cover. Remember fun? Get ready for a comeback. Get ready for a comeback. I'm so happy about the comeback. Sometimes I struggle to explain what makes RH so special, though, trying to tell my wife, my friend. I just I mean, look, in some ways, it's best to tell you what it isn't. RH isn't a retailer with seasonal inventory. They don't got Valentine's Day merchandise or Easter merchandise, Fourth of July banners. No, it's not a company with fashion risk, calendar risk. It's a company with classic products and a wealthy clientele, which gives the chain tremendous staying power and more important, amazing pricing power. Really, though, RH is like no other retailer. As Friedman puts it, quote, All you need to do is walk a mall to notice most retail stores are archaic, windowless boxes that lack any sense of humanity. There's generally no fresh air, no natural light. Plants die in most retail stores, and they can't be a good environment for humans either, end quote. Now, it is tough to pin down what to call RH's locations. Uh, Stores seem to be too limiting. 
I know Gary calls them galleries. I regard them as palaces, restaurants on the top. I don't know. I think it implies too little, given all the incredible spaces that he's developed, places to eat, furniture to gawk, and, and Insta. You can just Insta the heck out of these things. RH decked out yachts to rent. Oh, my God, you got to look at those. If there were Michelin books for retailers, RH would get three stars. Everyone else, zero. There are, they are experiences. They are dreamy. They are the type of spaces that, that are like fabulous writing. You know it when you read it. And the British Manor and the French Champs-Élysées location from next, next year, they'll enhance the storytelling. Honestly, a story like this shouldn't even exist. This is a place that offers amazing goods, stuff that should be priced like Lamborghinis, but instead the merchandise is priced like an Audi or a BMW. Okay, that may, may not look like much of a bargain from the outside, but compared to what they could get away with charging, I think it absolutely is. It's not easy getting to where RH, the company, has gotten in actually a very short time. As Gary puts it, Hermes, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Cartier, Tiffany, and the rest of the finest luxury brands in the world were all born on the top of the luxury mountain. Never has a brand started at the base as we have and made the climb to the peak. Now, you know what happens when you get there? Well, you can charge a lot more, and people, people feel proud buying the stuff. I could go on and on, but let me leave you with this. When RH was trading in the hundreds a couple years ago, the company bought hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stock. Gary came on our show. We were at that beautiful showroom downtown, the meatpacking district, and he told us exactly why he was doing it for both the company, and I think many more ways, more important for himself. Yeah, he was buying it like this. That's hand over fist. His confidence seemed insane. Looking back, though, it was a brilliant time to buy, and we should thank him for telling us to do so. And you know what? I think RH has more, no, much more room to run as long as Friedman, the merchant of our time, stays at the helm. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.